Episode 3 of Identical Cousins, UI Changes in iOS 6. Uh, the subtitle might be, It looks like something that aliens would have used on Barney Hill. I'll explain that later. How's it going, Brent? It's going great. How are you doing, Michael? Doing good. I cannot believe we're at episode three. I know. I know. It seems like, you know, just uh, weeks ago we started. Yeah. Okay, it probably was just weeks ago, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, weeks in this industry is uh, years. Yeah, everything's upside down now, you know, and, and, you know, a few pixels taller as well. That's right. Yep. Speaking of which, iPhone 5 day. So obviously <laughs> today is the 21st, the day we're recording. Uh, might as well talk about iPhone 5 insanity. Mm. I have not left my house. I haven't pre-ordered one or anything. So I've still got, you know, one of these old iPhone 4 pieces of shit. Um, which, you know, if it weren't for the crappy home button, I would still love. It is such an amazing phone. So you don't even have a 4S. You just have a 4 yeah, old school four. style. Well, I'm one of those people who, you know, you have the two-year contract and... Uh, it used to be that I bought every single one, but I'm like, you know what? I can live. I, I don't really care that much about yeah. each release. So I'll just wait until I'm eligible for the $5,000 off or whatever it is. You know, <laughs> It's pretty funny, you know, how there's this whole phone subsidy thing, right? Mm -hmm. But you need your contract anyway. I mean, sure, people will argue that you can get... T-Mobile or a cheaper pay-as-you-go plan. You know, if it was unlocked, you could use it. But most people have plans, right? You yeah. want to have a set amount. You're going to use a lot of amount and all that. But you're going to pay the monthly fee anyway. So if you buy the unlocked phone, obviously it's if you travel or you're going to do something where you're going to need it unlocked. But you're going to pay that monthly fee anyway. So you might as well, like you're doing, wait for the discount. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But it's just funny when you see people trying to like figure ways around it. And it's like, no, these companies are smart. There's no way around it. One mm, way or the other, you're yeah. paying. Yeah. And, and, if, and if after a great deal of effort, you can find a way around it, well, that's, that's a great deal of effort that I would rather not spend. You know, I've got work to do, right? Yeah. And when I'm not Time working, I've got relaxation to do. Both these things yeah. are very, very damn important. A lot more important than trying to see if I can, you know, switch to Verizon and still save money or some damn thing. I time just, is money and money is time. That's right. And life is short. And futzing around with trying to figure out deals is a sucky way to spend your time. It is. You know, sometimes I fall into that trap. And like that happened today. So perfect example. We're looking for these, uh, call them uh, robe hooks or, or towel hooks for our bathroom. Mm -hmm. And I found a place where I got them shipped each for like 12 bucks each. So 24 bucks for two of them shipped. And it was supposed to be basically like, $18 each. I think if I went to Home Depot, I'd get them for 18 and then tax or so whatever, right? You know, mm -hmm. but I figured I want to order them online. I don't want to go out, right? I'm lazy. Yeah, right. Yeah. But it came out to a good deal. And then I like found another place that had a little bit lower, like a dollar less. And they're like, well, we do price <laughs> matching. And there was a point where I literally was like, dude, it's two bucks. Like, stop. <laughs> like, it's done. You just paid $2 to do no other work. And it felt good. Yeah, right. <laughs> that reminds me of, of sometimes, you know, in the past, I've gotten email, uh, somebody upset about an upgrade price or something that, you know, was, I don't know, $15. And I just think, how much of their time did they spend writing this email? And was that time worth, you know, uh, possibly even more than $15? I would, I would like to think so. Well, imagine so, the so now they're down, down twice because they've paid me 15 bucks and they've spent you know, $25 of their own time to write, you know, some email. Yeah. And imagine the dollar app. Someone writes emails to complain about a dollar app. And yeah. It's like, there's a point if I was, a, if we actually sold a dollar app, I would have to say, if there's a complaint, I would just issue a refund at that point and be like, you know, here's a refund. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And usually what I did, of course, when, when people were uh, highly complaining or if they actually demonstrated that, like, look, I've got no money, you know, I'm uh, uh, my mom bought me this computer, and I'm a student, and I live on uh, macaroni and cheese. Yeah, give them the money back. Yeah. 
Exactly. Case by case. And I always say this in all my talks or whatever. One size never fits all. So mm -hmm. you have to listen to what they're saying. And you can't just read an email and be like, oh, this person's just blowing off steam. Maybe they're really mad, you know, and they're truly blowing off steam for a legitimate reason that you caused. Yeah. Right. So sure. Or if it's a student, you know, someone has people have contacted us where they need help or they want a discount and they have a legitimate story. And we're like, sure. Why not? Why wouldn't you help someone? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, of course. But yeah, you're right. It's the time, money opportunity costs and at the end of the day you really have to somehow sometimes say yeah this is going to cost me more money than the time is that i'm going to put in forget it mm -hmm. but but what still what still stuns me though is when someone who's you know clearly upper middle class and is outraged over five or 15 bucks and takes the time to to make sure i know that this uh this paltry sum of money has you know uh burst their blood vessels that, uh, you said stunned. you said upper middle class. Just want to make sure you know that's like making two million dollars a year, right? Is that upper middle, upper class? middle I, class? I think of it as you know, if you're uh, if you have a six figure salary or better, you're probably upper middle class. Well, I was alluding to the Romney oh, uh, middle right. class being two hundred fifty thousand yeah, or something right. like that. <laughs> Man, I want to be middle class. I guess I have to strive to be middle class. What about you? Uh, yeah, by those definitions, that sounds uh, that sounds okay, doesn't it? I never knew I needed to become middle class. Wow, I've been I've been shooting high all these years, and obviously, I'm never going to make that. <laughs> but yeah, basically, yeah, exactly. You get these people. Well, first of all, let's even talk about the fact that it's a Mac and an iPhone. This is usually the topic that makes people laugh. You bought a Mac or an iPhone, which is already you know. I mean, the prices have come down, but. They're not cheap. No, to, not to Make an investment yeah. to buy one of those devices. So now you spend about a thousand for a laptop, or about four hundred for a phone, unless you got one for free, right? Mm. Fine, they have the free and two hundred dollar ones now. But like, you're complaining about a dollar five, twenty dollars for software after you've spent all this money on the device. It just seems weird. Yeah, yeah, it do, it does seem weird. So I don't know. It's, it's just like it, I, it, yeah, you know, I tip the pizza guy more than that. <laughs> That's an East Coast thing, by the way. Tipping the pizza guy? Or I think that comes well. from your East Coast roots. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I've noticed a tip trend difference between coasts now that I've lived in California for about 12 years. That's a good question. Since I'm the person doing the tipping all the time, it's for me, it's always the same. Yeah. But I don't know I think what other you got do. that. I think you got the, or I think everyone gets the tipping etiquette kind of heart from where you're from or how you were raised. Mm, sure, yeah. I've just noticed, like in Japan, if you tip, it's actually rude. Oh, okay. As if you're, you're basically, as if yeah. you didn't expect good service, and you're right, like it's saying, "Here's money to work faster, boy." Kind of like you know, like mm -hmm. it, it is. It's, it's actually seen as an offensive thing because the service is it, he, that's his job. He should be carrying your bag up as quick as possible. If he's not, well, you're giving him money to basically say, "Hey, work faster." Mm -hmm. Well, my so. theory then is that they they may pay people in those jobs um, an adequate amount, whereas that here is they correct. don't. That is correct. And I think that's actually a detriment to our service uh, industry in America no, or in so countries that do this. The job is seen as a job that you have to kind of, I mean, you could argue it's good because then they have to work harder to make more money, which is sort of American. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if you have a job, you should be doing the best job you can do regardless. And then well, if you're doing yeah. the best job you're doing, then hopefully you'll get rewarded. Yeah, work hard so you can get raises and promotions and things like that, right? Exactly. Not get fired. Yeah, that's right. Seem that's like right. good incentives. I think so. It works right, for almost so, everybody else. Well, yeah. I mean, I think you have to be wired still a certain way. Like, obviously, you and I are wired that way. Mm, we're not part of those 47% of moochers that Romney talks yeah. about. Yeah, exactly. Well, or, you know, it could be part of the 99%, too, yeah, which whatever. would make us only part of the 1%. I don't know. I don't want to really be one of part of the 1% anyway. Yeah, why not? I don't want to be, I want to be my own percent. I can have the own percenters club or something. I don't well, know. Well, you hear, heard it here first. Michael Simmons doesn't want to be super rich. Yeah. Well, I certainly want to be middle class. Yeah, right. <laughs> what was it? Two, oh, is that what he said, though? Like 250000 I can't remember the amount. I just remember when I heard the amount, I was like... Uh, yeah, the day I get there and I'm middle class, I'm going to be really happy. I think that was a weird quote. It was partly just like mangled speech. He was saying that if you're, if you make anywhere up to 250,000, you're middle class. And that's fair. And yeah. I think that's actually how, um, Obama defines it too. You know, actually, so, I had to, of course, you know, Google you pay quickly. more taxes if you make more than 250 or whatever. 
Yeah, I had to Google fair. quickly so I wasn't misrepresenting him, but he was the, the quote at least here, which is like taken from Good Morning America on ABC. On ABC, two hundred to two hundred and fifty thousand per year and less is middle class. Right. But and less. So if you make fifty thousand a year, you're middle class. Yeah, that sounds about right. All right. Well, two hundred. I don't know. Two hundred fifty thousand being middle class is uh, not what I am aware of. Yeah. All right. In my world, anyway. I think you'd agree. Yeah, I, you know that probably two hundred fifty thousand probably puts you in the upper what five six percent of incomes. So that may yeah. not be middle class actually. Yeah, yeah. It just it just seems like a high amount. Like when I think about that amount, I'm just like, man, that's that'd be a good life. Yeah, but, you yeah. know, I, I realize middle class is based upon everyone, so it's kind of a it's not what I think. It's what the median is. Yeah. Right. Sure. All right. So I don't know how we got on this. Uh, we, we we did this last week or we two weeks ago with the whole uh, politics thing. Well, you know, every four years, the f- few months before election are just insane. It's it's hard to think about much much else. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, listeners, I, please excuse us. Well, okay. Speaking of politics or voting, I think this would be a good segue to talk about our glass board. It's a democracy, right? Yeah. Sure. Sure. It is. Yeah. So for those of you who didn't know, if you didn't know, we have a glass board which uh, Glassboard is, of course, Brent's awesome app. And you can join our Glassboard with the invite code Simmons, S-I-M-M-O-N-S. Yep. And we've gotten some really good feedback on the Glassboard, right, Brent? Yeah, we do. We have uh, people telling us that our files are too big, and so yep. we fix that. Yep. Um, and they have some questions and stuff, which uh, we could probably go into, I think. Yeah, we'll we'll cover some of them. There were a couple mm-hmm. of uh, commitments I made to going over some stories that I didn't maybe elaborate enough enough. Sure. Um, so yeah, let's 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 peruse the glass board. We need music here, but I'm not going to do it because yeah. I'm lazy. Okay. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks for the assist. <laughs> so uh, one of the questions was basically about the first run experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is from Christopher. And he was kind of hoping that I would give a little bit more on the we did this, that it had this effect, and blah, 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 blah. So um, first run experiences, and Brent, I know, was kind of a little bit even more hesitant than I might be. But first run experiences are something you really have to do carefully. Um, You end up taking the user's time to do something. And that's a lot of time when you're trying to convince the person to use your app. So what you need to do when you're doing a first run experience is figure out how important it is. So the reason why, and yes, I was saying don't do it unless you need to, is because you don't want to take the user's time up or frustrate them. They want to get to the app. They want to actually start using the app and seeing why they should buy it or not. Or if they bought it already from the app store, if their purchase was a good one. Think about what's in their head. As they're going through this, they're thinking, I want to get to the real app. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. They want to get to why they downloaded it. Yep. So as they're sitting there, so one thing in a first run you should always do is have some sort of progress indicator. Now in our first run experience, it's only two to three steps. And sometimes I I think there's a scenario where it's only literally one step. And if that's the case, then a progress indicator is kind of stupid, right? You're giving them something else to look at and think about what they're not even going to use. Yeah, right. But all these decisions, and I'm not trying to simplify this to just finish the answer. I'm trying to say one size doesn't fit all, and I always say that because it's true, but you really have to think about it. And I guess the story about how we came to this with Fantastical is we had at least two things. One, if you're only running calendar and you didn't have any third-party calendar apps that have to be set up for it to work right. For example, let's say your default calendar application is BusyCal. But if you have Calendar and BusyCal on your computer, we don't want to make a guess of which one you're using. Maybe you installed BusyCal by mistake and you use Calendar. So for us to go ahead and just pick one arbitrarily and then it's not the right one, well, you're going to have a bad experience. And we just couldn't take the risk of that because this is a Calendar app that you're going to rely on. So the way we came to this decision was that right there needed to be something that we take the user through. So we were sort of like, we can't give that up. What else needs to be in the first run since we're already going to have to take their time and inconvenience them, so to speak? Because I do view it as an inconvenience. It is, yeah. Yep. So I guess, you know, just the short version of it is that 
these things had to be set up or the app wouldn't work as we would expect it to, at least for a subset of users, and it's a pretty big subset. So we decided to have an experience that was pretty quick and helpful, and then boom, you're right into the app. And it's gotten great feedback, so I know we've made the right decision. I really feel confident about that. Yeah, I think you, I think you have. Uh, another thing to watch out for in first-run experiences, uh, if the user is doing any kind of setup, they may have some, some anxiety about um, about changing their minds and being able to change it later. So That's right. it's a good idea to make it clear that they can go back and change these settings later. By That's a great point. Preferences window. It's like training. You're actually also at the same time that you're setting up these preferences, you're letting them know that these preferences exist. Indeed. And of course yeah. we have some text to say you can change these later in preferences. So it, it's an education and a configuration. Mm -hmm. But always remember their anxiety. You know, they, they're, yep. they're afraid of making a mistake. They're afraid they might not be able to change their mind. Uh, yep. Those are important, oh, important things to consider. Remember, oh, yeah. they don't know your app yet. Exactly. And that's, th that actually goes back to this decision of having a first run or not. It's, you know, these, these users are already fearful. They're already wanting to see the app. They're in a position where now you're wasting their time on potential things that are going to frustrate them or f scare them. It really is a very difficult decision to have a first run experience or not. So, yeah. So don't so, do one unless you really, really have yeah, to. Really, really, really question doing it. And again, we know it was the right decision for our app, but I would still go through the same amount of questioning and stress before we ever added one again. It's the kind of thing too, I think you can revisit with, with major releases. Do you still need that? Uh, yep. Is there something you can take out of it? Because sometimes you learn from how your users use it that they never, uh, they never use option A or whatever it is, you know? Yeah, and actually we've gotten not a single complaint about it. Like, you know, the first run experience was annoying, so that's great. And we actually have had a few users that have had some issues that they just weren't paying attention during the first run. So in that sense, you could argue, well, then you should take it out because they don't pay attention. But I think those are the kind of users that it's not going to help and it's not going to harm. So it's benign, mm -hmm. I think. Software is a process. There's Software's no final hard. answer. You keep doing new Software versions, is hard, right? Brent. Yep. Does that ring a bell? That was like two episodes ago. Years. Years, years ago. Yeah. Software is hard. It is. It's very hard. All right, moving along, trying to get all the questions of the past week or so. So, Ilko, I think I said that right? I love his name, Ilko Lempsink. Yeah. That's a beautiful Ilko name. Ilko Lempsink, I know. That's a cool name. It is very I wonder cool. If it's I wonder if it's either an anagram or, let's see, if it's backwards, it would be, no, it's not backwards. I don't know, I think it's, I think it's his name. I, I think it's a great name. That's solid. I, yeah, I like saying it, I like looking at it. <laughs> you should name an app after him. <laughs> I want to name a company, Ilko. Ilko Inc. Yep. All right, if you're taking requests, he would like to or love to hear more about killing projects. I may actually throw this to you. I think this is a you question, especially that you talked about killing projects. Um, you want me to, you, I don't know, you assume you have the glass board up or I can read yeah, it to you. Yeah, I've got it. Yeah. Uh, what, what did he say exactly? So basically, what kind of projects did you kill? Did you have any regrets later? What phase were those projects? I'll go through all these because there's a reason I want to sum up one thing. Uh, how do you kill something you launched but not really taking off? How do you balance dealing with sunk costs, fallacy, and following intuition? Any tweets, po blogs, podcasts, books, movies that help your thinking? And um, then he has a feature request for Glassboard that he wants a five-minute time window to edit after posting. <laughs> well, we did just add oriented. deleting, so that's yeah. out in the latest version, which is nice. So what I was going to say super quick, and then I'll let you answer if you want to, is... Uh, from my point of view, we talked about like last week killing or, or redoing. At least I thought I'd talk about this. I was just speaking at 360 iDev, so I might have talked about it there and maybe my wires across. But we are working on an address book contacts app. And we ended up throwing out the whole user interface and starting over. Did I talk about that? Does that ring a bell? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. So I wasn't we've there. killed off projects. That's just one to name a few. With most of the questions you asked, it's all a gut feeling and a through testing and feedback and, and experience kind of thing. Are you into doing traditional business? I don't even know the word because I don't follow them. I guess business theories and stuff like sunk cost fallacy. Yeah, I know what sunk cost fallacy is and um, I'm a logical person, but I know nothing about 
I know very little, I guess I should say, about the traditional processes and business way of thinking. I, you know, I was an English major and then a self-taught software developer. And, you know, so no, I don't follow any of the traditional processes. You can't, and you're, you're adaptive, right? Because like sunk cost fallacy, I should probably clarify it, is it's once you've, we talked about this last week, it's when you start spending money and you start getting into a pit and you're like, well, I have all these costs, so I need to continue forward because if I stop now, everything I've invested is lost and I won't make it back. That's exactly right. And and so the logical way to think about it is if you have sunk costs into something, it doesn't matter what you do next. You have already sunk those costs. They're gone. They're, they're gone. Whatever. So you want to make the decision that's best for the future. Even if, right. But the argument no matter is what that, that means. That you, that, you, that you could at least try to make it back rather than just throwing it away. Right. But what you want to do is you want to choose something that's going to make you money in the future. And that doesn't necessarily right. mean continuing with the project that you've sunk costs into just exactly. because you've sunk those costs. And going down a road that now at this point, if you've identified as bad, why would you continue to throw bad money after worse? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess I'll throw it back to you. I just wanted to kind of say that from my point of view, I do everything very, I guess I would say unorthodox and very untraditional. And I do it case by case and I try to learn from my mistakes and I don't have, I mean, about regrets. Sure, I have regrets and there's always things you wish you could change, but you try to improve them and change them on the next time. But that's, that's the answer from my point of view. Yeah, I, and I would say that every decision is concrete. It's hard to, hard to just look at some general principles and apply them without really looking at details of, of a whole bunch of different natures and making decisions. So you want to make right. the best decision possible, yeah, each time. I think I have never killed a project, so this is kind of tough for me. Everything I've worked on, I've sold. Everything I've started lives somewhere else or still with me. Um, however, I have killed projects where I've just kind of idly thought, oh, how about I write this? This will be fun. And I spend maybe a couple weeks on it and don't really get back to it. You know, those like little things where I haven't really gotten very far with. Yeah, my hard drive is littered with repositories that haven't been touched in years, <laughs> you know, of course. Yeah. Because everyone gets ideas, you know, from time to time. And if they, they catch fire, they don't. But I don't really think of that as killing a, a project per se, because that's not like, that's not really a decision so much as, something that can happen. Um, the yeah. infant mortality rate of software is very, very high. <laughs> uh, that should have been the name of this episode. <laughs> um, thinking, how, so how do you decide to kill a project? It's, that would be tough. I, I think if you find that for whatever reason, it's, it, you're just not passionate about it, if it seems to be uh, a terrible chore, it seems like you have better ideas that could make better money. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the criteria are exactly. I think it's the kind of thing, though, I would start to feel it first. I would start feeling like, you know, this thing, whatever it is, is an albatross, and I have to, and I have to do something about it. Yeah. And then I'd look at it, you know, intellectually and try to be unemotional about it. But I think... I think the first clue would be, yeah, I would have some, some feelings, some emotions about the project. And then, of course, killing it would, would be tough. And the toughest part of something like that, I'm just imagining, but the toughest part would be um, you know, telling the people who use it. Because if you have any users at all, it is, it is super hard to let people down, especially oh, people who have chosen to support you, support your work. Definitely, um, definitely. To let them down is, that's brutal. That's the kind of thing that makes you not want to get out of bed in the morning. It's rough. So that shows you definitely have a, not only a vested interest, but you truly care about the software that you're writing. Absolutely, yeah. And I'm pointing that out because I do as well. And I think that's really important. Like a lot of times the question comes up, what do you, what's your philosophy on software? Or why, why have you been behind successful things or whatever it is? Well, because I care because if it sucks, then I'm going to maybe throw it out and start again like the user interface for our contacts app. Like, I think for you and I, we literally take this stuff personally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is, it's my life's work. I'm not doing something else. I'm not writing symphonies or, or something, yep. on the, you know, as my main thing. This is what you want to be remembered by, and this is what your contribution is. Exactly. Yep. I feel the same way. And I think it's important. So, you know, maybe if you're out there listening and you're doing software for just money, 
where you're doing it for, I don't know, you think it's cool or whatever, that's fine. But if you're not having, uh, you know, if you're having challenges or things like that or you're not sure of what you're doing, there might be a reason because you're not necessarily focused or vested. And I think that's important because it's okay to just write apps for money. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But then you have to realize what you're doing day in and day out. Mm. I think so. I think love matters. Yes. Call me a Lots romantic. But yeah. Oh, well, I will. Right. Re romantic. <laughs> Simmons so is what I think that's do? it for the glass board, unless you have something else to add. So uh, no, that'll do it. Yeah. Um, did I miss any other questions or is that good? I think that's it. Uh, I think that covers it. Yeah. So yeah, um, that's, you know, feel free to post stuff on Glassboard and we'll try to get to it. And, um, you know, thanks for your support. That's another thing I'm sure Brent will chime in here. But yeah, thank you. We've been overwhelmed and just blown away by all of the feedback and all of the great support from our listeners. So thank you. Thank you tons. Yeah. We're doing this for you. Well, and we're doing it for us too. Well, we could just, just cause it's, talk. Yeah, but we never do. We, we like to do it this way. That's true. Yeah. Put in a little well, bit of not, extra love. We don't. We don't never do. We do sometimes. Yeah. Well, we have to at least try as to cousins. You know. Jeez. Make yeah. As we do. Uh huh. So this week's uh, let's we'll do we'll do a little quick news, a little bit of quick news, and then we'll get into a topic of discussion, which will be iOS six design or UI changes. Yes. And um, some critiques specifically that I have on one, which I know you know about. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to vent. Actually, someone tweeted about it today, and I saw a retweet. It was completely unprompted, so I'm glad I'm not the only one. Okay. I kind of need a posse to make sure that I'm not losing my mind. But, yeah, news. I mean, obviously, it's iOS 6. It's iPhone 5. It's 10.8.2, which actually adds some some features. It's 10.8.2 is actually a pretty decent update for Mountain Lion. Oh, I haven't done it yet. Yeah, it adds. Uh, not, I don't use Facebook, so not for me. But uh, it adds Facebook support to the US. Yeah, I don't use Facebook uh, to the either, OS. Yeah. Excuse me, can't speak today. Um, yeah, and fixes a bunch of bugs and just makes 10.8.2 a lot better. It uh, fixes the battery life. Okay. And uh, yeah, so 10.8.2's Apple. Apple had a huge week with releases this week. Yay, Apple! Um, so from news, I mean, I kind of there's nothing really much to say. Um, a lot of uh, iPhone 5, iOS 6 news. Right, which everyone knows, right? iPhone 5 is coming yeah. out and iOS 6 is out. And something like a quarter to a third of people have already upgraded to iOS 6, according to reports, which is That's one of the impressive. things I love about being an iPhone developer is that people get on board Definitely. really, really fast. And yes. you might wonder, well, you know, why would I as a developer care? But I think developers care because it means we don't have to support versions of the operating system going way back, which means that we can concentrate better on making our software cooler, easier to use, funner, all, you know, all the things you actually want by not having to care about whether it still runs on iOS 4.2 or whatever the hell. Yeah. So and it matters. The, the quick, exactly. The quicker users upgrade and have the latest OS, the quicker we can target those OSs to actually be faster, better, more features. Mm -hmm. And not waste time, you know, testing some old OS on some old device, you know, exactly. we want you with the new stuff. Yep. I so pause this podcast and upgrade if you haven't yet. Yes, we will wait. Mm -hmm. We're right here. Okay. So now that you've upgraded, you will get some awesome new features of this podcast, especially the podcast app. Oh yeah. I haven't looked at it. Oh, yet. speaking of which we are officially on iTunes. Well, we're approved. We may not have appeared yet. Yes. Well, by the time this episode appears, we better have. Yeah, we should by Tuesday. Yeah, that's true. I'll get on that if it's not. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I think news were good because basically you've heard it already, so it would just be regurgitation. Mm -hmm. So what else? Um, I guess we'll get right into the topic. Let's talk about iOS 6. So let's talk about that pull to refresh thing. Oh. So, okay. Yesterday I tweeted, uh, which was Thursday, about pull to refresh. And pull to refresh being in mail and pull to refresh being the first instance of pull to fresh in iOS six officially from Apple. Is that correct? I believe so. As far as as far as I know and as far as Brent knows, it's the first time it's appeared as an official Apple gesture. Now, just to give a little bit of history for those of you who don't know, which I'm surprised if you don't, Lauren Brichter is the one who invented this gesture. Again, as far as I know. And the first app it ever appeared in was Tweety. We should we should add that uh Nevin Morgan and Buzz Anderson may have had that in their Twitter client. 
Was that bird feed? I'm not sure. Or maybe had it but didn't ship it. But uh, well, yeah, I think it was a mock. I think it was a proposal or something okay, like right. that. Yeah. So not to take away from if, Lauren. If someone else, yeah, exactly. Know, if someone else, if someone else had this before and were wrong, set the record straight. We're we're happy being wrong. That's fine. Yeah. So, but the point is, Lauren, as far as I know, that was the first app I ever used it in. And it's an amazing gesture because you want to see more stuff that's going to appear at the top. You'd pull up to see more and boom, it would refresh. One simple gesture, the gesture you're going to do anyway to see more, you get a reload and you get to see more. Efficient, right? Yeah, beautiful. And it gives a nice little space for uh, a last update date. So you don't that's have right. to take up you know, uh, yep. the toolbar or something. And then it goes off screen when you don't really need to see it because you only need to see it once and then boom, it goes away. Yep. Right. So there's beautiful information and also when you're pulling it down, you know, you don't see, let's say, more tweets at the top. It gives you this information saying pull to refresh and then release, you know, uh, what is it? Pull to refresh or is it release to refresh? Pulled it. I forget how it says now. Uh, It's like because there's a release there's a pull and a release text and I of course I don't know what it is right yeah now. I forget whatever all right but whatever there's information and it's really clear and it's really nice and it's not extraneous and it's just it's one of my favorite gestures for sure it saves a lot of time to the user and a lot of nice user experience mm-hmm. so Apple after everyone had been asking for it in mail for a long time added it right yep so it's part of what do they part do? of the um, part of Coco now too so we can do it Apple's way in our own apps if we choose. That is correct. In fact, the Target app has it in there. Okay. Leveraging it from uh, iOS 6. Glad you pointed that out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's actually the tweet that happened today, which I'll get to in a sec. But the way Apple implemented it is without any text, without any sort of feedback or information to the user. When you start pulling, you see a reload arrow. You see the circular arrow, which means reload. And then as you pull, the arrow kind of looks like a gooey, just a gooey thing that you pull. And by gooey, I don't mean G-U-I, I mean G-O-O-E-Y. You kind of pull it down and it stretches. And then as it stretches, it turns into a star spinny. So it shows that it's doing something. And then it just reloads. That's it. It doesn't give any sort of time. It does give time at the bottom, which I'll get into a sec. But the pull to reload area that you're, the gesture area that you're working on, just is that circular button looking thing that's an arrow you start pulling it down it gets all gooey because you're stretching it out as you pull and then when you let it go it reloads and then boom it snaps up and it's gone and you should have a reload right right i have problems with this you like my uh, cinematic pause there Yeah, you do have problems with this oddly enough i have problems with it but my problems are different than yours i think but you go first i will so my problem is not so much the Lack of text, because I got into some discussions yesterday on Twitter about this, and obviously, you know, 140 characters is hard to do this kind of stuff. I'm going to have to start, like, realizing if I'm going to bitch about something, sometimes maybe Twitter isn't the best place, because then you have to be able to recant with 140 characters. I don't know. It's not good. It's kind of hard. Twitter. No one goes Especially for me. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I go there. I guess I'll be one of the old farts hanging around until close of time. Yep. Which is now. So... Yeah, exactly, which is, well, I don't know. I mean, people still use Twitter, right? I don't know. This, you know, every day it's another shoe. I mean, this is another topic. Well, okay, they're, if they're this, doing that insanely thing, stupid decisions. They're, they're, they're morons. Like, I don't even know what they're doing at this point, and they're clearly, they're doing something bad. But the service with the amount of users is still there. So as long as there's friends to talk to and things to say, I think they have, have a service. Sure, you can side with the fascists if you like. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's free. That's true. Fascism you had to pay for, right? All right, so where were we? So the pull to refresh, right? Yep. So my problem is that this pull to refresh gesture assumes that you know what it is. And I understand the arguments that were given back to me that, well, if you pull, you'll keep pulling and then you'll kind of figure it out what it is. And then once you figure it out what it is, you know what it is. But text up there to simply say pull to reload or to simply even show the last updated time up there. So mail puts the last updated time on the bottom which is where it's always been. Mm-hmm. But my problem is, is that they had a reload button on the bottom next to the last updated time. Now all of a sudden they've moved the reload to a hidden place, which you used to pull down to search. Now search is always hidden, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, search is always visible. Right. So they've, they've changed all these things around on, on, on millions of users. I would assume it's going to be millions of users who have upgraded from iOS, uh, from iOS 5 to iOS 6. And now it's very confusing the first time. The arguments are, well, once they figure it out, they'll get over it. But 
to me, best user, best user experience and interface is not ever confusing the user. To say, well, they'll figure it out after they do it the first time if they're confused, I don't know, that's a cop out to me. I, I, I think you have to always have everything clear and I don't see the harm that if they would have taken the, the last reloaded or last refresh text and put it at the top with the pull to reload thing, mm -hmm. pull to refresh, what that would have harmed. You mean if they had done it more like uh, Tweety did it? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And now everyone else, in fact, everyone that uses that, you know, those generic libraries for pull to reload, they provide information. They provide text to say pull to refresh. I think what it says is pull to refresh release to, man, I don't know why I can't remember what it says, but there's a pull to and there's a release to because that's training you. It's saying, well, you pull to do this and when you release it, it'll update, right? Mm -hmm. You have to right. release it. So I don't know, just the whole, oh, all right, so one of the problems that I saw, I had already had problems with this, but what prompted me to actually start bitching about it was I saw someone pull it, then they tried to tap the reload arrow because it looks like a button, right? It's a yep. round circle. And there's just, there's just a lot of problems with it. And I think it, I got a reply from someone I know who had said, this is kind of the direction Apple's going to. They're trying to move away from text. They're trying to go image only. And it's a really bad direction. I'm not saying I love text either, but I'm saying that there's a point where you can't convey everything in an image. I mean, what are we going to go back to hieroglyphics? Well, but you could argue that almost all of GUI computing has been in the direction of hieroglyphics. You know, this isn't the only thing that doesn't have text. That's true. You know, there are all kinds of things that, that don't have text. In, That's in true, but the menus in GUI interfaces still existed, like with file cut, copy, paste and stuff. You still needed words. I mean, sure, they could have made every menu an icon, right? Like paste could have been a little paste bucket and... Um, you know, cut could have been scissors. And sure, there's certain user interfaces that do this. Sure, but even just looking at mail, um, you know, there's no button that says, you know, write a new message. There's just a, there's a rectangle with a pen on it. And we're not supposed to know that that means, you know, to start a new message. That is true. But a gesture like pull to refresh is a new gesture that's randomly being inserted because it's an iOS update. So sure, the reason why I but, see it different, I'll tell you why I see it different. Thing you're saying that because there's a letter with a pencil, it means write, mm -hmm. write an email. Yeah. But seeing an arrow that looks like a button when you pull it down doesn't, you would, you would tap that button, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. I don't know. I, I, I don't feel bad about the lack of explanatory text. I do okay. miss having the last update date there because that's that's a very nice place to stash that. But I feel like the last update date is the explanatory text. I'm not saying it needs to say pull down further to refresh. I'm mm -hmm. not saying it needs a handhold. I'm saying it needs a context. Mm -hmm. I see. I There's see no context yeah. until you pull it all the way and then see the star spinny. Now, I could even argue the star spinny is in context, although people know that that means loading. Yes, yes, they do. So you have to pull, you have to continue to pull until you see the star spinny to know what's going on the very first time. Mm -hmm. Right. And I just feel like it, we get into this funk a lot and I got a lot of nice, I, I got really good replies yesterday, both negative and positive to what I said. And I think they're all great replies because I, I want to view everyone's side and I think everyone has a valid point. But someone had said to me that in terms of like it being something that someone doesn't see the first time, sometimes as developers and designers, we do get into a, I'll just call it a corner of, well, we figured it out, so they can too. And I think it's really good sometimes to be into the head of the users and see what's going to frustrate them. It's no different than the first run experience, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Less is more. We both agree with that. You and I are very similar in that way. But I think this is just too, too much less. I think this is a, well, everyone knows what pull to refresh is, right? Except that's not true, yeah. Thank you. And that's all my point. That's literally my point. My point is, is that I think this assumes that it's a well-known gesture. Mm -hmm. It's like, and, um, if have you ever watched someone use mail or any other table-based app and double tap yeah. on a row to go to the detail view? Yep. I've seen people do that all the time. Exactly. Yeah. We, can't, we can't assume the same kind of sophistication that, that we as developers have. No, and I think most importantly is there's like millions and millions of iPad and iPhone users and stuff, and a lot of this stuff is new. I mean, look, even the gestures, some of the replies I got were, well, all these gestures were unknown when people first got iPhones, and that's true, but that was a whole OS. And certain, th these gestures, a lot of them, like with maps, how you pinch out, pinch to zoom and all that stuff, I mean, there was training via those Apple commercials, Absolutely right? right? Apple spent lots of money on their ads to not only advertise, but to also educate. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess the pull, the thing that bugs me, I guess, is I see a lot of, well, we know what it is, so everyone else will in this. That's all, that's, that's really my, my main argument with it, and that it's designed in a way where it's like, well, you figure it out, and when you do, then you'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I just have a problem with that. 
Um, so today I saw, it's funny that we had talked about, we'll discuss this today. I saw a tweet, a random tweet. It was retweeted by one of my followers, but the person said, this is an inappropriate context for pull to re for pull to refresh in that the pull down gesture is arbitrary, has no meaning at all. Hmm. And this is a use of it, not in mail, but in the target app. Actually, it looks like it might be in passbook, but it's a pull to refresh gesture. And basically this, this guy's name's, uh, I don't know him personally, but his name is Jordan K. Okay. Apparently he works at Twitter. He's an iOS platform engineer. Mm -hmm. Hello, Jordan. And he agrees with me. He was saying it's an appropriate context that pull, the pull down gesture is arbitrary and has no meaning at all. And again, I have a few different problems, but I just feel like the key problem, and I think this is what the cause, the root cause of the problem is, is that, well, everyone will figure it out or we know what it is. So why wouldn't everyone else? I feel that there's just a certain hubris in the design of it. That's it. Mm -hmm. Okay. I can go on and on and on, but I think I'll probably just stop there. You know, I think my, my problem with it is, well, I really want to have yeah, what's your problem? You know, the last update date right there. It's a perfect place to stash that information. And it does, as you say, help with context. But I think my biggest problem with the whole thing is that it feels really, really creepy. I, I really freak out every time I see the that goo thing animation, that gooey thing. And uh, as I alluded to earlier, it seems like something aliens might have used on their abductors. <laughs> and that just, it's impossibly twerpy. Can't stand well, it. The I don't like the goo thing either, right? It feels weird. It looks weird. Yeah. It just, it's strange. It's strange. It feels like it's out of place in iOS. It even, does, would you agree? yeah. Okay. But I think that was their solution to get people to pull. Mm -hmm. Someone had actually commented on that, and it was something I had been thinking. Like, as you pull, you see it goo, right? Yeah. Well, that that's going to make people want to continue to pull. Like it was, what can we come up with that'll be interesting that once people pull and see it, they'll be addicted to pulling it more. I am now afraid to pull to refresh in mixed company. Can I actually tell you something? When I pull to refresh in mail, I don't like it. And it's not like, I mean, this isn't like a major thing, but when I do it without, like you said, not seeing the last updated text, not having anything, it just feels awkward to me. It feels out of place. Mm -hmm. Do you agree there? Yeah, I do. Absolutely. It's All it's right. strange. Cool. I I felt strongly enough about it. And then, like I said, I saw a user actually pulling down and tapping it because, again, they picked a round circle, which looks like a button. I actually did that the first time, too. Yeah. So, and, you know, you're Brent Simmons. Mm -hmm. So, I, no, just, I'm not I have a lot of problems with that user interface element and the user experience and the interaction. And I think they did it in a really bad way. I hate to be negative, but there it is. Otherwise, Maps. All right, uh, moving right along. <laughs> Boy, I don't want we'll to. I don't want to pile on maps, here. so I'm not gonna. I, except that I, I think I, I will know, miss Street View because I actually used that all the time. I gotta say this about maps. Apple basically is just like the dock connector with Lightning. Apple had to make a decision. We don't know really what happened behind the scenes, but basically they had to obviously or chose to obviously put in a new map app, and it's a big undertaking, right? If we went back to Maps 1.0 from the very first iPhone. Sure, it wasn't the way it is today, right? Right. So it'll get there, and I hope it will. But I like the new maps. I think it, at least in my experience of you know the last week or so since I updated to the GM, it's worked fine. I think the GPS is cool. We had gone somewhere the other day, and I have a nav in my car, but I figured I'd try the iPhone. And it worked really nicely, and the UI is nice. And I happen to be in the Bay Area, so of course I have the flyover stuff and the 3D stuff. Cool. And... It works great for me. I realize I'm in the Bay Area and it's not everywhere yet, but you know they gotta get there from here. Mm -hmm. But I don't. Under, I think the pile on is just because there has to be some hatred. Yeah, I think so too. I, you know, I think it'll get better, and then you know we'll all wonder what the hell was that about. Yeah, it'll um, be just like but, cut, but I paste. hope they're bringing back Street View. And my reason for that is pretty simple. I'll go to a go to some city. And, you know, maybe going to a conference or something. And I'm staying at my hotel and it's maybe a couple blocks from the conference. I really, really like to go on Street View and look at where I'm going the day before I go there. Yeah. You know, it, maybe I don't Acclimate really need to, but it just, Get you know, kind of, it helps. Yeah. You know, no, no, I, I understand the right door that way. I've used it before. And it's just, it's a way to get yourself accustomed. Mm-hmm. And I could do that on my computer, but... Hopefully they'll bring it back. Whatever. Yeah, I hope so. 
It was definitely a nice feature. Mm-hmm. There's that. There's those rumors going around that Google wants to come out with their own Maps app that they'll sell. It'll basically be Maps back, you know, selling. Mm-hmm. But um, don't you think they would give it give it away for free and just continue to have sponsored um, locations or whatever? Yeah, they could do that. For me, I kind of feel I think that they wouldn't do it because it's sort of like competing with the default app again. I mean, sure, there's a there's a market for it, and someone like you would immediately want Street View and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, I don't know. I I don't necessarily have a full idea, but my gut would say that they're not going to do it. Hmm. Okay. I guess I'll be wrong if they do. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, so let's see. iOS six. What are some other things that you can nitpick on? Well, one thing I noticed pretty quickly um, was that now we have shadows underneath nav bars oh yes and i find it for me they look a little bit it makes the whole thing look a little bit blurry i keep trying to make my eyes focus better on my phone when it's not my eyes it's just it looks kind of blurry well it's the whole like nav bar at the top or excuse me time bar status bar Mm. with it being tinted now depending on the type the color of your title bar and so yeah sure yeah that kind of adds to the uh the blurriness i'm not getting the contrast i was expecting yeah and so it's at least at first i haven't adapted yet it's been you know 24 hours um the the new ios hurts my eyes a little bit yeah it is. It's a little weird. And like, here's another weird, I mean, there's a lot of weird nitpicks. It's good that you put, brought up this topic because I could probably talk a lot about these things because I found them already. But like in the phone app, have you gone to the dial pad in the phone app? No, I don't use that app. Oh God, I'm looking at it now. <laughs> wow, that's exactly. weird. Yeah, so it's like, well, we haven't updated the keypad of the uh, phone in you know four years. Let's do that. Uh-huh. So they updated it. It's very strange looking to me and very, again, out of place. But what's weird is while you're on a call, the dial pad is the original old black dial pad. Now, I realize the dial pad on the phone app was a different dial pad than the in-call app. It was, you know, they, they visually look different, but they were both black. Yeah. But it's very, either they missed it or they, I have a feeling they missed it. It's weird to have two different looking dial pads, unless maybe their logic was, well, one dial pad should look different than the other to let you know when you're on a call and you're not on a call. I don't yeah, know. Sure. I, mean, I can go on and on. But it just, it's a very strange design decision from my point of view that they... You know, yeah, yeah, that's unexpected. It's weird. This look to look, to me looks like change for the sake of change, but I have no idea, right? Maybe they found no. That's their, that's how it they're sits testing with me. that you know something like it's this. It's how is it sits with me because it doesn't even match the other views in the app, huh? Right. I mean, the other views in the app, the other views in the phone app. Sure, there's like gray for the contacts and stuff, but it seems out of place. Mm-hmm. So it seems like change for the sake of change. Yeah. So. There's another one. What else? Anything else you've run along that seems frustrating? I I have found the new app store not necessarily to look bad, but to perform terribly and and has some strange things in it. For instance, um, when you're on one of those um, top grossing lists, for instance, it, it appears to be doing infinite scrolling. And so there is no scroll bar at all, which feels really weird to me. And then if you try and scroll fast, the interface often just like sticks, becomes unresponsive, or just draws really, really funny. And just to clarify, you're talking about the whole new app store thing, Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Right. Scrolling so yeah, the HTML on like, that is just wow, that, totally That's bad. not at all smooth, not at all good. Scroll bar's gone. Try, hit, try going to the update section, and then you try to tap buttons, and they just don't even accept the taps. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah, I had a... Yeah, a hell of a time going going through and updating a dozen apps or something yesterday. Just, it, it, yeah, it was rough. I guess I'm also really surprised that they would, I'm going to use the word mess, but that they would mess with the app store. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like the app store is clearly not broke, mm-hmm. clearly works fine. Sure, there's ways you could discover stuff better. Sure, there's a lot of features that I think that are not there that should be added, like the ability for developers to reply to complaints. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the things they changed made it even harder to discover apps. Yeah. Like the one page views per app and stuff. It's like, I just, I, they, they, I don't, I, yeah, I'm out of words. Yeah. And it just, it's just so slow. It's just the quality of the app is not what I would expect from Apple. 
Exactly. You know, to have these performance problems, are, it's just surprising. Yeah. yeah, it's really strange how they did it. Yeah. I, I can believe they'll improve it. Of course they will. But Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just something where because it's so big, they had to do it this way, and then they'll figure it out. You know, it's kind of like this is like a public beta test, right? Sure. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's the way it is with Apple, right? It is. And, and obviously, again, this really is a big, big project. I mean, they're redoing the App Store, but I, it feels weird to me. And then I go to an app, and I'm hitting the, I don't know, share action button thing on the upper right. And plenty of times, it just it doesn't do anything. Yep. I'm like, why? It feels like it misses taps. Yeah. Yep, and it does. <laughs> Probably. I don't know what the hell is going on. I don't know either. And then is, is the tab bar in App Store, I've seen that in a few different places. Is that the new standard tab bar look, or is that a custom one? Uh, I don't know if it's the standard. I don't know. I keep seeing it. But then again, I've seen the standard one, I think, in the phone app. But that may be the only place I've seen it. But I've noticed that apps that have been updated for iOS 6, I haven't seen their tab bars change. So I don't know. Unless it's that there's this new standard and mm. it looks standard. I don't know. I, I may not use any apps with tab bars pretty much. They're, they're pretty yeah. rare. Tab bars suck, right? Everyone knows that. Trying to avoid using the tab bar is a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah. There are times you do need them. There's certain apps that you just... You need them. Well, you know, the tab bar has been replaced in a lot of apps, I think, with this sidebar thing. Glassboard yes. does it, of course. Um, uh, yep. But I first saw it, I can't remember, in Facebook or in Path. Now now even the White House app uses that. I've seen that in a ton <laughs> yeah, of Yeah, it's place. become the standard of the tab bar, mm -hmm. so to speak. Yeah. I like it and I don't like it. And I'll tell you what I like about it and what I don't like about it. Okay. I like that it's hidden mm -hmm. and you get more real estate and your stuff's tucked away nicely. Yep. What I don't like about it is that for you to find the context of where you are, which, sure, you can argue, well, what do you need to know where you are for? You'll know where you are by what's on the screen. Mm -hmm. But it requires this extra, we'll call it two gestures, because you have to open it and close it, mm -hmm. to see where you're at and to change. So it's two gestures to change, one to expose, one to change, versus one tap just to change and also have the context. Mm -hmm. and. I know why it's better. Again, more there's pros and cons to both. That's my point. So I don't look at it as the best solution. I look at it as a solution. Yeah. Yeah, it's a solution. And obviously, if you have more than five tabs, you kind of need to use it. Yeah, nobody ever tapped the more button ever, right? That's right. Well, like, uh, we do the apps for Touch Arcade and App Shopper. Mm -hmm. And that's like the only contract work that we do. We do it as a favor because he's a friend of ours. Mm -hmm. And we have we have the more tab, sadly, mm -hmm. and then we have from more than we have options. Mm -hmm. And we stressed, you know, a long time to figure out what to do about this. Um, we are going to do a refresh at some point of the UI, and maybe we will bring that sidebar in. We have to see. But it was the logical way to do it because those were the two, we'll call them least used things, and then they require two taps to get to, right? Yeah. So one is search, um, and then one is top 200. So you tap more, you tap one, you're in. Mm -hmm. And then you can, if you want to get back to the main ones, which is the discovery tabs, like the what's hot and stuff, then you just tap at the bottom because you still have the tab bar at the bottom. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we, we really had to go crazy figuring out if we were going to use the tab bar or not. It just made sense because you can quickly move. And I think that's really important to think about with user experience, how many taps it's going to be for the user. Because that sidebar gives you benefits, but then you get the detriment of two, an extra tap. Yeah, but it's important also, though, that clarity is more important than counting taps. Correct. Very important you know, point. People will take the extra tap if, if it's easier to learn. If, if there's a benefit in that tap, absolutely you put the tap mm -hmm. in. But if you, let's say, have an app that only requires four or five tabs, and then you're putting in the sidebar... You're technically adding a tab for no re uh, tap for no reason when you could have done it in five tabs. On the other hand, you get more you get more real estate at the bottom, and That's you true. could probably possibly have more text for each. Well, you just have to tell too, all your customers you to so get iPhone space fives in a tab bar. You'll just have to tell all your customers to get iPhone fives. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then, then you you've got the real estate space from the tab yeah, bar, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I know what you're saying. It's it, there. but this is the this is the art of software development and thinking about all of these attributes, elements, benefits, pros, and cons as you implement these things. So what surprises me is that Apple hasn't done a standard for this yet. You know, there's no, there's nothing built into Cocoa to give you these sidebars. 
but yet this is there sort of is in iPad portrait mode. Yeah, well, I was going to say this is very much like um, the split view in iPads. Exactly. So it seems today, like there ought to be, you know, an iPhone. The iPhone split view ought to work, kind of like yep. this, right? We have a uh, we have in this touch app, touch arcade and app shopper apps I was talking about. We are doing an update for iOS six and iPhone five, and I was doing some testing on my iPad with iOS six. My business partner Kent were surprised because the system now handles a swipe gesture on that sidebar. We'll call it to close it and open mm-hmm. it. <laughs> he and I were surprised, like, uh, we didn't put that in. Yeah, right. But obviously it's for free, right? But there you go. There's a, that, that's technically what we're talking about. It's a sidebar. You swipe it open and close it, and then your stuff's there. And it's, yeah, but it's, it's the split view portrait mode on an iPad. Mm-hmm. A- absolutely right. Yep. So, Apple, please add that to the phone. We're all making yes, it ourselves. We don't need to. There ought to be a standard one, one easy way for this. Agreed. Yep. So I think that's just about it. Um, you got anything else in your mind? Hmm. No, my mind is empty. Yeah, it's been a. This has been a uh, pretty crazy week for me. Yeah. Yeah. Just glad it's winding down. Thank God it's Friday. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad that well, yesterday Tuesday I got when the um, Glassboard iOS six iPhone five update uploaded to the App Store, so I can breathe. Congratulations! More easily now. Very nice. When did you do that? Uh, I got the. The issues with the taller screen took me like an evening last week, but then I had to deal with uh, other things. Um, contacts, particularly, you you now have to request right. access, and then there was something to add to the plist file, and then then I had to make sure it still worked on iOS five, of course, and blah blah blah. None of this and changes for six. Yep, and and none of this worked on um, the simulator. Of course, doesn't access your contacts anyway, so yeah. No, and I can tell you from the Touch Arcade and App Shopper, App Shopper stuff, we had been testing it for about a week or so with iOS 6 stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we came across a bug today. We had to actually reject the binary and resubmit it um, with iOS 6 stuff. So it goes to show you a lot of stuff did change in iOS 6 that you have to be careful of, especially orientation stuff like portrait and landscape. Oh, yeah, right. That was another issue. Suddenly my whole yeah. app is rotating, and I'm like, no, why are you rotating? And I had exactly. to figure out what the hell is going on there. Uh, so I got that fixed and then Apple wanted after I thought I was all done I was ready to you know uh, watch TV relax something then Apple comes back oh no you have to give us a screenshot oh yes the iPhone 5 you have to have a tall screenshot screenshots yep would have been nice if they would have had that ready when they said upload your apps I know I I was just about out of my mind by that time I was really tired and wanted to get this update out and then no screenshot okay so let's see what else. Yeah, I guess that's about it. So it's iOS 6, 6 and uh, iPhone week. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a good time to be an Apple developer. It is. It definitely Would is. Would you agree? Yes. We're loving it. Even if we have stuff to complain about. Oh, yeah. We have to have stuff to complain about or we can't be happy. Yeah. Just wait until like 20 more years when we're 60, 70-year-old men and we're even more crotchety. <laughs> By then I expect I will have reverted to pen and paper entirely. <laughs> And like a, a manual typewriter? Yeah. No, I won't even bother to write. No, oh, no, I'll me. write longhand. That's, that's yeah, right. yeah with, with pen and paper. You get a quill. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> quill with ink to just uh-huh. torture yourself. Yeah. I might be the last person who still... I do use a notebook, and I write in cursive. <laughs> I believe it. Mm-hmm. I actually do believe that. You know, 60 is only, let's see, 16 years away from me, so... Well... I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it's not that far away from me either. Mm. We'll be we'll be on episode, I don't know, let's see, probably like uh, 200 and something. Mm. Or no, it'll be less than that. Sheesh. Um, I don't know. I don't do math. Yeah, I don't want to do math either. Yeah. I leave that to the smart people. Yep, our audience. Yes. So with that said, I think uh, we'll call it a show. Cool. And everyone, uh, use our glass board. Again, uh, invitation code Simmons. And again, we appreciate your support and listenership. We hope we're doing a good job. Let us know if we're not, and let us know if there's anything additional we can do for you. Thanks, everyone. Leave Kathy's lip post everywhere, from Zanzibar to Barclay Square. But Kathy's always seen the sights a girl can see from Brooklyn Heights. What a crazy fair! Yeah.
where Kathy adores a minuet, the ballet roots, and crepe Suzette. Our Patty loves to rock and roll, a hot dog makes her lose control. What a wild duet! Still their cousins, identical cousins, and you find they laugh alike, they walk alike, at times they even talk alike. You can lose your mind. 